Hi there. I'm Veronica Wilhelm, an organizational development consultant and executive coach in Seattle, Washington. And I'm here to tell you how to have the best day ever at work. When last we left our intrepid heroes, they were learning about structure and how that's going to solve pretty much every problem they will ever encounter at work. We talked through the history of structure's efficacy and using structural solutions as a way to solving most workplace problems. We talked about the natural inclination to turn to inter or intrapersonal solutions and what the parts of structure are, goals, roles, processes, and resources. And then we ended with a salty comment by yours truly about how terrible most workplace goals are. And I just left you hanging like that. I know I can make workplace issues just like so sexy, but even I need to rely on a good old fashioned cliffhanger sometimes. (laughs) So goals. So when I work on issues at work with people, I always start with goals. Specifically, we work through a couple of different kinds of goals, your mission and your vision. And then how those break down at the department, team, and individual level. So just some quick vocab. I want to point out that the words mission and vision can have a lot of different meanings and a lot of different meanings even within the same industry or field or even sometimes in the same room. So how I use those terms are based on a book called Built to Last by Collins and Porras, which talks about how do you have long-term sustainability in um, organizations. So I define mission as the thing that your organization is trying to do. And when it has done that, it no longer needs to exist. So for me, for Wilhelm Consulting, I am trying to make workplaces for health and healing. Once all the workplaces are healthy and can heal folks, then my company doesn't need to exist anymore. And that's it. And then after your mission, you have your vision. So your vision is the thing that you do that takes you one big step closer to your mission. Your vision is something that often informs a strategic plan, which is a plan that you create to help your organization figure out what it's doing for the next few years or so. I do a strategic plan every year and mine is only for a year because my company is, you know, it's me and my executive assistant, Bethany, um, my, my catch-all right hand, Bethany. Um, she is truly like the right hand of the king. So, I mean, I say she's my executive assistant, but really, anyways, I'm sure you'll meet Bethany at some point. Okay, so But because it's just the two of us, um, we will do strategic planning every year because that's just how far out in advance we can plan. Now, larger companies tend to need to plan for a few more years to talk about funding and, you know, revenue streams and set up particular like research and development efforts. So most of the companies I work with will set up strategic plans for three years. So your mission is the thing that when you have achieved it, your company no longer needs to exist. Your vision is the thing that informs your strategic plan, which should get you one big step closer towards achieving your mission. Okay, and then from your mission and your vision, you break down those goals into department goals. So what is every department that's part of the organization doing to serve those two things? And then if you have multiple teams within your department, which some organizations do, bigger organizations do, what are each of those teams doing to contribute to the department goal? 
And then finally, what is each individual person on that team doing to contribute to the team goals, the department goals, the mission, and the vision? And so everything needs to be broken down so that way everything that people are working towards is working towards that one thing, the mission. And I'm sure you've worked in an organization where you're like, why am I doing what I'm doing? This doesn't make any sense. And it's really easy sometimes to have people doing things that don't ultimately serve the mission because we think it's an important thing to do, or we have some history somewhere has told us that that's a thing we need to be focusing on. I'm thinking here in particular about like marketing efforts. Like I just had a company who I worked through all of their marketing plan and they had thought, the thing that was most helpful for them were um, bus ads. And then when they were looking at like, well, where do we actually sell most of our tickets from? It was coming from social media. It was coming from uh, people who had heard about it on a TV show or something. So they basically were like, well, we're spending a lot of money on bus ads. Let's get rid of those and see what happens. And nothing really shifted for them. So things like that, like what are the things that we do that we think we should do, but actually no longer serve the mission of the organization? That's something that can help with, you know, an internal audit sometimes. So, and then when it comes to personal goals, so each individual person in an organization, if the personal goals of someone's life don't align with the organization, the person will ultimately burn out in that organization because they are fundamentally working against what they want. So when you have folks who join an organization, it's really important that they have a goal for themselves, for their life, for their legacy that aligns with kind of what the organization does. The organization for an individual, everyone's work should be something that furthers along their own personal goals around their life and their legacy, which sounds really big. But I want to say that like personal goals can range anywhere from like eradicating systems of oppression to just like providing steady, yummy meals to themselves and their pup. So when we talk about personal goals and legacy, it doesn't necessarily have to be a big like world changing kind of, you know, approach. It can really just be like, I want to live a beautiful life. And this organization, my job helps me do that because it provides me a paycheck. Or this organization really helps me with that because it gives me access to people who make me feel good or it gives me access to skills that I want to try on or, you know, it gives me some routine and structure to my day. Like, we don't necessarily have to work for an organization for which their big mission completely aligns with ours. But we can't be working for organizations where their missions are diametrically opposed to what we're trying to do. Right. So I had a, an organization I worked with who they had a, a client that they were serving that most of the folks who were working on that project for that client, they were like, I don't believe I don't agree with the way how this um, client treats their employees. And I don't want to work on this because this is not why I signed up to do this work. I didn't sign up to support an organization that kind of fundamentally underpays people in order to provide low prices for folks. I was the one who was brought in to be like, all right, how do we reconcile this? How do we reconcile one of our biggest clients being someone that most of the organization doesn't personally or politically align with? The answer was <laughs> became pretty stark when the CEO was like, well, I like capitalism. And... You know, we're going to we're going to go where the money's going at the end of that that session that I hosted with them. Three folks came up to me and said, all right, can you help me figure out how to how to leave this job? Because I just can't be here where this is the kind of clientele we're serving. And that was great for those people because they had been spending all this time kind of fighting upriver, working at an organization that ultimately had different beliefs about what the legacy is that they should be leaving on the planet. And 
it was making them sick. So when I read goals from an organization, I'll say that most of them are unclear and they're not broken down on sort of each level and they can't really be measured. Now, measuring is a huge thing with goals. And specifically, we need to be able to measure qualitatively and quantitatively. So that includes, I often tell people, include a feeling and a number. So a goal could be, we want people to be satisfied. Okay, how do you know numerically that they are satisfied? Are you taking a survey? Are you checking in with people? Is it like, do you measure the number of complaints that you have over time? Like, how are you measuring numerically satisfaction? And then a goal like, we want to grow by 50%. Like, that's great. But what is the feeling that you will have when you do that? Is that a feeling of security and stability? Is that a feeling of abundance? Like, what is the feeling that you get if you have that numerical goal too? Numbers without feelings are empty. And feelings without numbers can't be objectively measured. We need things to be objectively measured so that way we don't have different ways that everyone is trying to figure out if we've achieved a goal or not. People need to know when they've reached their goal. So that's why we need to create objective measurements and ways to do that. So that way, from person to person, there is no reinventing the rubric by which we are figuring out if something has been achieved or not. Now, the mission is likely the only goal that you may ne- you might never reach, but even that should be clear when it would be, right? So my mission Um, workplaces for health and healing. Um, I know exactly what a healthy workplace looks like. And I know exactly what a workplace for healing looks like. And here, I'll even pull my strategic plan off the wall. Right? So I'm holding it in my hands. So a workplace that's healthy is non-traumatizing. It doesn't require people to have their nervous system do these quick shifts that are ultimately what causes trauma. And then a healing workplace is a place that's consistent and predictable enough to heal any accrued trauma like from outside of the workplace. So that's how I'm looking at that. Obviously, I'm not in every workplace, but every workplace that I go into, I do my best to try and measure, well, how much are things having to shift very quickly in a way that is impactful to your nervous system? Are you able to heal trauma while you're here? Like those are all questions that I ask people when I get to work with them. So that's my my mission and you know I know when it should be reached, but every other goal should be clear when they are attained using numbers and feelings. So all the subsets of how that goal is reached, they all have numbers and they all have feelings attached to them. Now, the other thing with numbers and feelings is that they appeal to different people's values. Right. So there we can all think of a numbers person and a feelings person in our life. Numbers people tend to prefer objective data driven measures. These are folks who often they want the science behind something. They want the statistics behind something. They want to know concrete facts about something. And that's fine. And that actually is very largely valued theoretically on a broad scale here in the United States. Right. Like we say like, oh, that's a thing. But like, what's the data to back that up? We ask people to prove things a lot with science and scientific measurements. However, we do also know that feelings are super important. We need to know feelings people. And feelings people, you know, I think when I think of feelings people, I think of like a Stevie Nicks looking type, right? Like like they've got lots of bangles and like a shawl and they're like dancing around or whatever. But feelings people are, they are driven by things that settle into their gut in a particular way. And sometimes they need numbers to help inform their feelings. And sometimes even with feelings, it overcomes what the numbers say. So the important thing is that we want to be able to appeal to 
all these different kinds of folks. We want to appeal to the people who use data to come to their conclusions. And we want to appeal to people who use their intuition to come to these conclusions. So numbers and feelings, make sure that everyone is getting captured in understanding the goals of an organization and where you're going. Okay, so real quick, I want to talk about SMART goals because I made a real salty comment about SMART goals last time. So if you don't know what a SMART goal is, SMART is an acronym. It stands for Specific, Measurable, Attainable or Achievable, Relevant or Realistic, and then Time Bound. So oftentimes we see goals in organizations that are like, grow the company. That doesn't really help us, right? We need to be more specific. Grow the company by what percent or grow the company in what way? And is it actually something that you can reach, right? So if we're going to say we're going to grow the company a thousand percent, is that actually realistic for the company at this place that it's in? And then time bound, how much time are we giving to achieve that goal? Because if it's an open-ended goal, that's your mission. But every other goal should have some sort of time bound quality to it. So SMART goals are great, and they've been really helpful get for getting people closer to making goals that folks can actually get on board with in a company. But the thing it's missing is feelings, right? We need feelings when we're talking about what kind of goals we want in our workplace. Having goals without feelings can inadvertently play into the systems of oppression that reduce people to replaceable cogs in a machine. So if you're only focused on numbers, then you might forget that the thing that's helping you achieve those numbers is people. Feelings remind us that people are at the core of what we're doing. Robots live on numbers. People live on feelings, even if you don't want to have feelings and like me. So that's why we include both, not just because of all the things that I already said about different people's values and all that, but also because like it's very easy in a capitalistic culture to forget that people are the things that are making all of our stuff happen. It's really easy. We've all had examples of work where we were told we were replaceable or we felt replaceable. And the reality is like, sure, like, you know, if someone leaves, we can figure out how to do their job again. But treating people like they are replaceable, no one wants to invest in a company like that. No one feels safe in a company like that. That's what makes an organization traumatizing and unhealthy. We want to make sure that people feel like people and that organization-wide, we remember that they are people. Okay, so that's it for today. We're going to take next week off for Thanksgiving, but then we'll be back with the next part of structure, which is roles. So come back so we can continue to figure out how to have the best day ever at work. So glad you could join me today. Share this episode with someone who you think needs to hear it. Follow me on Instagram at Veronica and sign up for my newsletter at wilhelmconsulting.com. I look forward to being with you again soon.